Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Welcome back, Jay. How are you doing? Good, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. I've got a uh, softball overrated, underrated for you. Okay. But, but it might just catch you off guard. It probably will. All right. Well, I've just recently come to find out that you are celebrating a 20, 20th wedding anniversary in May, right? Marriage overrated. No, no. <laughs> this is even harder than that. Your marriage to Heather overrated yeah. or underrated? Wow. Knock it out of the park. Well, uh, I would say clearly underrated, um, I guess, from other, I mean, certainly, uh, I mean, I, that's a really tough one, Tom, because I'm trying yeah. to figure out what the right answer is. Well, I didn't but, ask you if you stopped meeting your wife. That's the question that, right? Yeah, yeah. So if I say underrated, does that mean I- um, It's been really, awesome. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that's the one then, underrated yeah. all the way. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's funny how time just flies by, as everyone says, um, but yeah, we- We've been together 25 years, married for 20, and um, you know, just totally flown by. Especially, I think you know, as people can relate, I think once you um, maybe have kids, start a family, just time just really starts flying by. So, so this is a big one. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, Tom, we're gonna we're gonna um, travel and, and get away for a few days uh, to celebrate, which is nice because we, you know, we're both fully vaccinated at this point and looking forward to a few days away. So, yeah, it's been a um, it's been a, a great journey. It's really interesting, I think, when you, and I get asked about this a lot, when you try to uh, mix not only marriage, which obviously has its challenges, but uh, a business relationship as well. And Heather and I have been business partners for, I guess, close to 15 or 16 years now. And, um, and so that's a whole other dynamic on top of it. But yeah, we've made it work and it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, looking forward to celebrating this, this big milestone. Good. Well, we'll have to make sure Heather listens to this episode yeah. for sure. She is like, as you mentioned, our third business partner. And so uh, definitely underrated getting to know her. Um, not as well as you have, but uh, pretty well. And I will say yeah. that uh, you've got me beat on the uh, marriage term, but I started dating my wife when I was 16. So we're mm. 35 years into our wow. marriage. Yeah, definitely underrated, dear, if you're listening, which we, she would never listen to this podcast. But yeah, <laughs> well, thank thank you for clarifying, because I, I was trying to figure out whether it was. Yeah. What do I say over or underrated? I just yeah. didn't know what, what either one meant in that context. But yeah, that I'd say uh, underrated all the way. Good. All right. Um, so let's get into our episode. And we have a guest today who we're excited to speak to and uh, someone who I've appeared on her podcast as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but Charlotte Smith, uh, she's a former lawyer turned leadership and performance coach, and she works with senior professionals in the law. Uh, and Charlotte, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you on. Hello. Thank you both for having me today. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, so that was a short intro. I'd like to start by just getting a little bit more uh, information from you about your background. Um, you know, I think our audience will be, is always interested in, in hearing the journeys of um, lawyers turned, you know, some other thing. And so if you could just kind of give us a little bit more about your background and, and the work you're up to these days, I think that'd be a great starting point. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you my background and please stop me if uh, you feel that I'm rambling or giving you my whole life story. <laughs> um, so I started out um, with an international legal experience. I worked at Baker McKenzie and spent time in their offices in Jakarta. So that was something that really gave me I guess the travel book, I would say, and I'll come back to that in a second, but spent a bit of time working in-house at BBC, um, doing intellectual property. That was really exciting. Um, and then I moved and really started um, to work at a boutique law firm, which was a top tier law firm in the UK that specialized in acting for the travel and aviation sector. And, I got a real breadth of experience there because it was a niche practice that was essentially a one-stop shop for travel and aviation companies. So my clients were the likes of Hilton Hotels, Expedia, um, British Airways, and so on. And um, I started to do lots of corporate work um, and, and I eventually moved into the employment law department. And the nature of the work there was very interesting because again, it had that international context to it. It was of a global nature. And I was absolutely fascinated in doing that work because it also helped me to satisfy my interest in human capital and people performance. And I was partnering with HR teams and so on in these organizations. So it was, it really sparked my interest. And I can see now um, how all of these threads have come together in my career right now. But, you know, st staying at the law firm for a second, it was a niche boutique firm. And because it was small, as um, a junior lawyer, you were given a lot of responsibility and free reign, really. So, I was able to innovate. I was be, I was able to exercise like the creative part in me. So I developed a an innovative product for the travel sector that involved employment law, and then it was all backed with insurance. So I was getting to do these really cool projects and lead them really in my mid twenties, hmm. and as a result of doing that, um, I was. I won a 30 under 30 award recognized in, in the UK legal profession. I was able to go out and network and do the business development stuff again as a junior associate. And so we used to fly to these conferences all around the world. One of my favorite of the travel conferences was in Barbados. So we used to just get to fly to Barbados and do um, cool things like that. And I was really able to grow and build this employment law department. And right before my 30th birthday, I was offered partnership there. I was the youngest person in the firm ever to have been offered partnership. And it's interesting because moments like this, um, you know, it, it, for me, being offered partnership was my crossroad moment. Two weeks after being offered partnership, my husband, my new husband, we'd just been married six months at that point, came home from work. And 
he had just been offered this amazing promotion um, to, to come out to California, to Silicon Valley. The company that he was working at had just acquired um, a company in, in Silicon Valley and his job was to integrate the two companies. And so we have this decision to make, which was stay where we were or go on this big adventure. And we chose adventure. And, and, and at that point, because I knew that there was this part of me that was creative, innovative, that was interested in business and my eyes had been open to like the world outside of the law, I embraced it. And when we moved out here, one of the first things that I did from a career standpoint was I sent out my resume to lots of creative agencies. I had in my mind, wouldn't it be interesting to work at a creative agency? I, also, I should probably like add, <laughs> while I was um, practicing as a lawyer and, and doing the legal side of things, at night, I had this secret life where I was a food blogger and I would run secret supper clubs. So people would pay to come around and have dinner at my house. And uh, I had a website and I was recognized as one of the top UK health and wellness food blogs. So, you know, I, again, like when I got to the US, I was like, I can use these skills. I can use my marketing, business development, creative skills and apply it somewhere else. And I landed a job in a creative agency. I became a partner in a creative agency for a couple of years. And at that point, I kind of felt like something was missing. Um, I had an itch that I was unable to scratch there. And I think a part of me missed the law. Mm -hmm. So I started to work with a coach. And that was the beginning of my now career. I worked with a coach myself. And what I discovered during that process was that actually coaching was a great way for me to fit together all of these skills that I had acquired along the way. And so I went to coach school. I went to one of the top coach training schools in the US, um, went through that. And um, a couple of years ago now, I launched my coaching business and I now support lawyer leaders and, and I coach them. And it's, it's amazing. I feel like I am doing absolutely purposeful work. I feel like I have found my life's mission, my life's purpose, and it feels amazing. And it's so fascinating to look back and see how all of the dots connected. And, and definitely in that journey, there were periods of time where, you know, I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt lost. I felt like, oh my goodness, what have I actually done um, in leaving the law and leaving this very secure path? But, you know, those experiences, I believe, have helped me to become the, the coach and uh, leader that I am today. So, yeah. That's there, there we are. No, that's great. Um, and it's interesting uh, because, as you know, Charlotte, I do coaching as well. And, and I hear that from a lot of coaches where it is that, that similar origin story, right, where you, you work with a coach, you kind of go through a transformation, and then you think, 
this would be pretty cool if I could help other people kind of experience this as well. So, so I think that's, um, that's a, a, a neat story and, and one that I think a lot of coaches share. Um, but speaking of coaches, uh, I, one thing, you know, we also, I probably bump up against, uh, quite often is, uh, there is some confusion as to what does that even mean, right? I think sometimes clients don't quite know. Some equate it to like something, um, and maybe there is some coaching that's more akin to therapy, but it, it, but it's not that um, necessarily. So maybe for our audience who may hear the term coaching and just wonder what it is exactly that coaches do, can you talk a little bit about um, what coaching is and and maybe what it's not? But but I guess for lawyers, like how how can it help someone uh, who might be dealing with a challenge? Yeah, so my head right now is going to the phrase <laughs> that coaching can be very much like the Wild West. And mm -hmm. um, I think you kind of like totally nailed it just there. Um, it's an unregulated profession. Mm -hmm. And so essentially that means that anyone can call themselves a coach. Yeah, can I interrupt you real quick? Because I'll share a stat to put an exclamation point on that. Where I, yeah. I don't know, I someone I, I read this. It may or may not be true, but I don't. I believe it's probably more true than not. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, there were maybe like six hundred thousand people on LinkedIn who identified as a coach, so, somewhere in that range. And then the it said that maybe nine or ten months later, there were like seven million. So we see. Yeah. We see how you know, the coaching profession has grown quite a bit, especially during COVID. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, just, just yeah. to point to the fact that, yeah, it is an unregulated profession. And there are a lot of people who are calling themselves coaches who, who you know, may not, not to disparage anyone, but it, it's, just, it's just that there's an easy entry point. There's very few barriers into the profession. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there are some amazing coaches out there that are self-taught. And that is great. And I think like that sometimes the boundaries get blurred because some coaches are actually consultants and they, they advise. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like coaching under the like International Coaching Federation um, definition is, is very different to what a consultant does. And I, I think, you know, in your question, you um, really explained that you know sometimes like coaching may look as therapy even though it is not a substitute for therapy mm -hmm. um so what does coaching mean to me coaching the way that i see it and in my practice it is a container for my clients to really explore who they are and what they want from a life standpoint, from a career standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. And they have this objective container that they can come to that isn't, um, you know, a colleague or a friend or a spouse, a partner that is giving them advice. It is a completely obje objective container where they can really examine and explore what it is that they want who it is that they want to be how they can up level and increase their performance um potentially in their law practice in their business and so on um and it helps them to cast light on their blind spots um yeah. a lot of clients come to me and they're feeling stuck frustrated stifled and they can't see a way of moving forward and in that container we figure out what is actually blocking them and getting them you know getting in their way 
And through the journey of transformation, we help them to get out of their own way. And my business, it's called The Limitless Lawyer. And really that is my goal, to help people become limitless in their lives, their careers, like in, in terms of how they lead their teams. And like I have said before, it, it really feels amazing to support people on that journey. You know, the old expression that those who can do and those who can't teach. Hmm. I think there's another one that says those who can't teach consult. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't have a pejorative yet for coaches, but just to muddy the waters <laughs> even more, I am a mentor. So yep. a mentor is a different than a coach. And right. where I draw the distinction between a consultant and a mentor, say, is that I always tell my small business clients that my job is not to tell you what to do. It's to tell you what to consider. So I'm wondering if that's a philosophy of coaches as well. But I wanted to answer or ask you a little more specifically about the types of issues that your clients come to you to overcome, because there, there is a focus to your coaching. It sounds like you're not one size fits all. And sometimes people have the misperception that, you know, like I said, those who can't teach. So they're just a jack of all trades. But what are some specific things inside of that container that you see are common to attorneys specifically who are getting stuck? Yeah. So, and, and my business has gone through um, an evolution in the past couple of years. And, and in the beginning, I really focused on mindset. I experienced mindset challenges myself when I was practicing those sensations of never feeling good enough. Um, you know, anything less than an A. I think, that, and I think this was probably ingrained into me as a child as well. Anything less than an A was not good enough. And um, so we carry that on into our legal careers and those feelings of failure, um, the inner critic that is telling you that you're not good enough, the imposter syndrome, that can really limit people and hold them back. And so that is an area that I work a lot around. Um, and, and I fuse mindset with strategy because I, I believe that strategy is so important and the mentoring, the con consulting, like that is so incredibly valuable. Um, but, you know, we, we can all write the most wonderful seven-figure strategy um, to, to generate revenue into your law practice. However, if your mindset is not in the right place, if you don't believe that you can actually execute and do that, it's not going to happen. And so fusing mindset and strategy um, is, is incredibly important, I believe. And, and that's what I do in my profession. So going back to like, when lawyers come to me, perhaps they think that they failed, maybe they've tried something and, and they're stuck, they can't see a way out. Um, I help them to kind of move through and, and, and shift through that. As I've got deeper into doing this work, what I've really come to realize is that the legal profession and the way it is structured and set up, um, it's systemic, creates a lot of these challenges and problems like the burnout 
Um, there's lots of like Law Society of England and Wales statistics, ABA statistics out there. Lawyers are leaving the legal profession in such high numbers. And why is that? It's because they're struggling to have careers where they have balance. It, it doesn't feel possible for, for them to have these like sustained like career longevity practicing as a lawyer because of like the billable hours model and so on and and so now I've been doing a lot of work with legal teams to help actually create top-down change in the legal profession and I really believe that maybe I'll use the word um revolution maybe I'll use the word renaissance a renaissance is coming and it is possible to do law differently and actually have balance and do great work and um, you know create revenue and profit all of the, the, those factors that we have to of course take into consideration but there can be different performance metrics um, and, and we can create great client service but also take into account um, employee experience and what it's actually like to be a lawyer at the different levels within law firms so uh yeah yeah absolutely uh no that makes a lot of sense um and let's charlotte let's shift gears for a minute and talk a little bit about um you know because i think you know, from a I, I certainly view this uh from the standpoint of my coaching practice and 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 you probably do too i'm guessing but developing business marketing, a coaching practice is not all that different than marketing a legal practice, right? It's about establishing trust, mm -hmm. relationships, um, networking, and getting yourself out there, building a personal brand. So I wanted to, since we are, since this is the Thought Leadership Project podcast, and a lot of what we talk about is marketing and business development, um, you you have a podcast. I know um, you write uh, articles for your blog and your website. You're active on LinkedIn. Want to just maybe talk about some lessons you've learned uh, over the years in terms of you know kind of establishing something new, right? Where you know I put put yourself in the shoes of a lawyer who's just starting out building a practice, and you shifted careers and had to had to kind of build your practice from the ground up. Any lessons from your approach to marketing and relationship building that might be helpful to others out there looking to do the same, whether that's as a, an aspiring coach or as a lawyer looking to build a practice. Yeah, and I think that, that the work that UJ and Tom are, are doing is it's incredible training um, training lawyers on how to use LinkedIn. My business, I really grew it using LinkedIn. And I, I, I loved how um, you made that commitment to post once a day. I, I started by doing something similar and in the beginning, when I first started posting on LinkedIn, I actually didn't have that much clarity over my brand voice, who I was, mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, you know what actually my message was. But the fact that I showed up and posted, and actually I worked through a lot of mindset blocks as well that, that come up for people oh my gosh, I'm going to look foolish. What are my old colleagues going to think? Um, you know, that all of these, these feelings were, were coming up, but I worked through that and I was consistent and I posted. And the really interesting thing of, of doing that was that I actually started to find my brand voice 
um, it started to resonate with people and it has evolved. And I've been posting on LinkedIn for over 18 months now. And I, I think like the action of actually doing rather than, you know, sitting and strategizing. I think, I think that that is one of the challenges or ways that you can kind of trip yourself up. I think that it's, it's great to actually think about in the beginning, who is your audience? What is your message? Like there are definitely things to, to consider, but show up, be consistent um, and share your voice is is the top tip that I would have get yourself out there and if the mind chatter is getting in your way start to write down and record like what are you know and, and I have a system and process and I'll just quickly take you through that so number one it's getting aware so recognize what triggered the mind chatter what triggered you? Was it seeing someone else's post and you thought, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I could never do something like that. Did that trigger you? And then recognize what that inner critic is actually saying to you. Is it saying like, hey, Charlotte, you're going to look so foolish if you share that. What happens if you get it wrong? Everyone's going to laugh at you. <laughs> or are you going to, you know, professional negligence? I, I don't know. You know, our minds go to kind of interesting places. So write down, grab a piece of paper and write down exactly what that voice is saying in your mind. The next thing I want you to write down is how true is that? How true is it that what you're saying is nonsense? It's probably not true. <laughs> you probably have something quite interesting to say so you write all of that down and um how would you advise a friend is the final question because we're all a lot kinder to our friends um we would give them constructive feedback we'd probably say that's great <laughs> and you know with posting on linkedin as well i think one of like the big, the biggest insights that I had when I first posted a video, I really liked the format of videos. And when I first posted a video, I recorded it like 25 times. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but like after having posted that, guess what? The world did not implode. <laughs> you know, probably like two people watched the video <laughs> in reality, but you know, getting over that block and that hurdle and yeah, I, I post videos more regularly now. So. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to one particular blockage that comes up a lot when we talk to attorneys and it's this notion of imposter syndrome, which I think you sort of touched on earlier. And I wish, I wonder if you could share your own personal experience overcoming imposter syndrome. Now, how do I know that you had imposter syndrome? We just met, right? But whenever people achieve success at an early age, there's this little voice on their shoulder that says, do I deserve this? Like, should I really be coaching someone in my 20s? Like, this isn't possible. This person's in his or her 50s, right? So I'm guessing you grappled with that. I know you have clients that grapple with it. How do you help someone? How did you help yourself overcome imposter syndrome? Guessing over imposter syndrome, I think, lies in the 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 steps in that process that I just shared like the awareness like uh, being aware that of what your mind is actually saying and getting really clear on the words and the programming 
Um, because once we have that awareness, we can then go through the steps in the process and we can start to examine how true is that. And I think that there's something incredibly powerful about actually writing that down. How true is it that I am not qualified to coach a managing partner of an international law firm? You know, and when you write down how how true how true is it that i'm not qualified well actually interestingly you know i have been to one of the top you know coach schools in the us i had the you know and you write down every, everything that makes you qualified and you, you can look at your life experience and so on and when you actually see that in writing on a piece of paper it helps you to kind of like shift that perspective and um think hmm actually that's just that's just my voice trying to keep me safe and I think like another thing to to remember about like imposter syndrome and your inner critic the inner critic comes out because it's trying to keep you safe it's trying to protect you from you know maybe it's embarrassment or failure and so um instead of just like pretending that it's not there and it doesn't exist and la 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 you know you're not true bye um if you can accept and and, and really like sit with it and say thank you for trying to keep me safe thank you for trying to protect me but you know i am a grown-ass woman now and i've got all of this experience and and i can handle this like so so it's kind of like accepting that part of you inside rather than just pretending that it isn't there and the more that i think you can kind of like come to terms with it and accept it the more easily it starts to dissipate yeah it, i love that uh exercise and that that notion of sort of you know just talking to the inner critic and and saying thank you but you know um I'm, i'll be okay um, it's sort of, I've heard Seth Godin talk about that same sort of idea in the context of like the sunk cost fallacy, which is I think kind of closely related in some ways. Uh, but the idea that, you know, you, you, you don't make change in your life because you're so invested in what you did in the past and you're afraid to let that go. And, and, you know, he, he talks about treating that as a gift from your former self, like, thank you for the experience and all I learned from having done this thing, but now I'm going to take that with me to where I want to go next. And I, I think there's probably a similar similar vein that runs through that, which is we always have a voice in our head that's, like you said, trying to protect us, but um, it can oftentimes stop us from where we want to go. And, and if we can treat that as like, you know, I appreciate that inner critic, but um, I'm going to move on anyway. And I'll, I'll use what I learned as a springboard to that next step. Uh, it's a yeah. good way to look at it. I like that a lot, Charlotte. Yeah, I think, sorry, sorry just to kind of like dive in there as well. Mm -hmm. Like one of the, biggest like life-changing moments for me as well is recognizing like there's no such thing as failure mm -hmm. um and you know after my kind of like creative agency like feeling a bit stuck and not really knowing what is the next step for me i walked around with this huge bag <laughs> you know a weight on my back that was like i have failed and um when i started to unpick that like it, it it was it was so interesting because when i could like try on the fact that like I, no i hadn't failed i just tried something different and i had 
gained all of this experience and knowledge to help me move on to the next step. That's not failure. That is using my force, like my insight to just redirect me. Then that like weight just evaporated and it's so freeing. So um, yeah, reminding yourself no such thing as failure. It's just learnings and, and redirection. And the part that I really like about your process too is where you sort of pivot the perspective and you, it sounds like you're encouraging your client to say, okay, if you can't convince yourself, convince this friend, what would you say to a friend? And when you give somebody the freedom to counsel somebody else, it's really easy for them to tell other people what to do. Right. So that probably I would imagine likes a lot of light balls for people to say, oh, if I can tell Sally, why can't I tell myself? It makes perfect sense. So that's cool. Yeah. And I think just, I see it so much like in myself and like so many of my clients like we are as lawyers like incredibly empathetic we can you know the nature of our work is to give counsel but when it comes to ourselves like we can be really brutal and and unkind to ourselves and so being able to like nurture that self-compassion and um think of how we would talk to a friend and a child, a partner. Um, and, and when we can start to really exercise that self-compassion, our lives and our world can look entirely different. Well, Charlotte, thank you. That was, I think this is a great place to wrap. Um, really yeah. appreciate all your perspective and insight. Um, I, that, I, I gained um, you know, some new points of view and on, on issues that you were discussing. So hopefully our listeners did as well. Before we let you go, uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Um, you know, obviously they can connect with you on LinkedIn, but where would you point people to learn more about what you do? Yeah, so um, as you say, active on LinkedIn, my website is charlotte-smith.com. And there you can find more details about my process and philosophy and, you know, all the stuff that you would find on a website. <laughs> um, but yeah, love to, love to hear from people. So always feel free to kind of email or DM me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Charlotte, thanks again. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.